Welcome to Irvine, California, where it's easy to play like pros. At the heart of Irvine's competitive culture is Great Park, the region's premier 194-acre multi-sport complex, equipped for youth teams to Olympians and everything in between. Plus, Great Park's expansion is underway. With near-perfect weather and a thriving sports scene, Irvine is the place to play. Visit DestinationIrvine.com for more information. We are heading into the home stretch of 2020. This is your morning buzzcast for Monday, December 7th. Good morning. I'm Abe Madcore. Three weeks really left. A couple of things to take note for this week. Baseball's annual winter meetings begin today and run through Thursday. In addition, 60 Minutes last night looked at the cost-cutting on college campuses. That'll be a topic we will discuss all week at our Intercollegiate Athletics Forum. Over three days starts tomorrow. Great lineup of speakers. Still time to register. Go to our website and register for the three-day event. Meanwhile, what we'll also discuss is just the delicate state of college basketball, specifically after Gun. Gonzaga and Baylor was postponed on Saturday due to positives within Gonzaga's program. That really would have been, of course, the game of the year so far. But college basketball continues, even though it seems to be at a delicate, delicate stage. Let's get to some of the news for this morning. The big talker this morning, boy, NBC News' Steve Kornacki was a big hit. He made his debut on Sunday Night Football before the Broncos-Chiefs game. He also showed up on the pregame and halftime shows. He broke down all playoff implications, and by the tone on social media and by the reports this morning, he will be back. NBC Sports already indicated there's a high probability Kornacki will return for future editions of Football Night in America. We said on Friday that this could start a trend, and when I turn on CBS this morning, a rival network, and they are touting just how effective Kornacki was in breaking down the playoff picture, you know we're on to something. So let's switch to the NBA because a very interesting weekend for the NBA. The Trailblazers yesterday closed their practice facility after several members of the organization tested positive for COVID. The league warned teams over the weekend that protocol violations that led to coronavirus spread impacting opposing teams and causing scheduling issues could result in fines suspensions, adjustment or loss of draft picks, and even game forfeitures. So that's a little bit more draconian than other leagues. The league also said that players violating safety protocols would be subject to in-season quarantine and possible lower paychecks as a result. So all of this is a backdrop for the NBA trying to start training camp, trying to start preseason games. If you read one clip, I thought the Washington Post had a very good piece over the weekend where it noted that finances and personal freedom were among the chief drivers of the NBA's plans, meaning finances, owners wanted an opportunity to bring fans back to venues, and personal freedom, meaning players did not want to be in a bubble again. The Washington Post also details what teams were required to designate staffers for, and this is a long list of new roles around hygiene, protocol, testing, and safety. Meanwhile, officials from multiple NBA teams said they don't expect players to receive access to vaccines during the first few months of the season. But all in all, NBA at a very interesting point of its season as it tries to start training camp, even start 
preseason games with a lot of uncertainty. Meanwhile, the league did release the first half of its schedule, and on the television side, really no surprise. Guess which is the hot team? You got it. The Lakers will have 16 of their first 37 games on either ABC, ESPN, or TNT. That's two more than any other team. Behind the Lakers, there are the Celtics, the Mavericks, the Pelicans, and the Warriors. They have 14 of their first 37 games on national television. Teams with zero games on national TV in the first half of the season, the Cavs, the Kings, the Magic, the Pistons, the Spurs, the Thunder, and the Wizards. Let's look over at the EPL because we noted on Friday's Buzzcast that the EPL would open their venues to fans. They did it over the weekend, the first time since March. About 2,000 fans at multiple venues. Four of the week's nine EPL matches had fans, but every report that I read noted the experience was certainly different. Face coverings mandatory, reduced singing, hand sanitizer everywhere, temperature checks on arrivals, and so social distancing throughout the venue, and of course, much more clear signage in terms of where fans could and could not go. But all in all, it seemed like a successful return for fans for the EPL. And I know the other professional sports leagues were looking at their protocols and policies in that return. Let's shift to college sports because as college football starts to get close to the end of its season, one of the most talked about searches in all of college sports is who will replace John Swan as commissioner of the ACC. Well, over the weekend, one name that has been talked about quite frequently, Clemson President Jim Clements, said he is not going to be a candidate for the commissionership of the ACC. Now, Clements' name is one I've heard for quite a while. He's got a big personality. He's very effective. I had heard from a number of sources that he really did want the job, but his name surfaced in a Sports Illustrated report a couple of weeks ago, and that apparently led to a number of people people at Clemson working hard to keep him in his role. I've also heard that there was some reluctance among the other ACC schools to have the president of a rival institution have the top job. Other sources I'm talking to regarding this position say that the ACC, the search committee, is really looking for very strong business leader, very strong business background executive to take this role to be the next commissioner of the ACC. But that is a position you're going to want to keep your eye on. I want to end on two different notes. First, boxing. 16,000 fans, AT&T Stadium on Saturday night for Errol Spence's win over Danny Garcia. Why do I bring that up? Because it shows again the effectiveness of the Jones family and AT&T Stadium and the state of Texas to pursuing major fights. The Jones family has been open for business throughout the pandemic, but they've really targeted the boxing space. It was known that the Cowboys marketed this fight to the team's season ticket base of more than 65,000. Fox also touted the pay-per-view during its recent NFL coverage. So again, it shows the promotional power of the Jones family, the appeal of AT&T Stadium, and for many sports properties, the appeal of Texas, which is right now, of course, allowing more fans in venues than most other states. And we've talked on the Buzzcast about the future of Deloy Hansen's soccer assets in Utah. That is Real Salt Lake. That is a USL team. It's also a NWSL team, the Utah Royals reports over the weekend 
are that the Royals will be set to relocate from Utah to Kansas City as part of a new ownership transition for the team. Palmer Square Capital Management, run by Chris and Angie Long, reportedly are the prospective new owners of the team. They want to bring the team to their hometown of Kansas City. That could be the first move of these pieces, of course, because Deloy Hansen selling Real Salt Lake NWSL Utah Royals and his USL Real Monarch. So the first move on that could be relocating the women's soccer league team from Utah to Kansas City. And of course, I'll be looking to try to figure out the purchase price of all those assets. So that is your morning buzzcast for Monday, starting the week on December 7th. It's going to be a busy week. Hope everybody is doing well, staying safe, staying healthy, and being good to each other. I'm Abe Madcore. I will talk to you tomorrow. Welcome to Irvine, California, where it's easy to play like pros. At the heart of Irvine's competitive culture is Great Park, the region's premier 194-acre multi-sport complex, equipped for youth teams to Olympians and everything in between. Plus, Great Park's expansion is underway. With near-perfect weather and a thriving sports scene, Irvine is the place to play. Visit DestinationIrvine.com for more information.